it was uh, the Seattle moment to realize that I thought Luke was saying yoga instead of yogurt. <laughs> that, I'll have to debrief on that later. I think. Uh, one thing we forgot to announce is the men's retreat is coming up, and, and so I believe Victor has some several sheets they hand out uh, to men only. I apologize, but um, that is Friday, seventh, June seventh and eighth. So please be aware of that. Um, on your way out and, and connect with Victor. Uh, when, we, when we came to Seattle, one of the things that uh, we had already loved but were able to experience a lot was hiking. Um, we don't really get to do it very much <laughs> at all, actually, <laughs> uh, anymore uh, since, since having uh, the kids. Uh, but hopefully we say every summer, this will be it. <laughs> um, but while, uh, while doing that and talking to other people who hiked, I started to realize that there were two types of hikers. Um, the one type of hiker is the one who wanted to just get out of the city. They, they, they were in it for the exercise, the experience of uh, having deep breaths of fresh air while in the mountains and, and making it to wherever they were going only to turn back and kind of head back and, and come back refreshed from the, uh, the journey of the hike. And then there, there was the other form of hikers, where really they were choosing their trail and their hike for the destination. Uh, they wanted to see a very beautiful field full of flowers, or they were in it to go see um, a mountain lake, or, or make it to the summit of a lake, if you're that type of hiker, and sit there and experience all that was around them and take in all of the beauty that they did not get to see every day. They were in it for the destination. And if, if you uh, go to the trails closer into Seattle where there's more people at the top, you can kind of start to see who is who. Uh, and if it was a relationship that was a mix of the two, because sooner or later an argument starts to break out, uh, whether they are supposed to stay at the top and just relax or get going again and head back down the mountain to where they were, they, were, they were coming from. It's not just hikers, though, that are this way. These are the two types of people that we often segregate ourselves into in life. There are those that are in it for the journey, the experience. I, uh, I am sure that you probably have already seen the a bumper sticker, not all who wander are lost. Right? It's about the journey that you are on and the experiences that you have while you are on that journey. So that at the end of your life, you have all of these experiences that, that you can look at and say, I have lived. Or for some, it's the destination. Maybe they have already arrived at their destination. My, my uh, family life as I have it right now is exactly what I have wanted in life. I have the exact house. I have the exact church that I have wanted. And I am going to stay and it will stay and it will be the same. We don't know anybody like that. It's not Lutherans at all. No. They are in it for the destination. In fact, for so long, the preaching that we even had within our churches was destination-oriented. 
Heaven is our destination. We're just waiting until we get there. And that is what this is all about. It's just getting to heaven. Just making it until we get there. This is experientialism. It's probably not a term that we use very often or are very familiar with, and the autocorrect on my Microsoft Word wanted to change it every time I wrote it. But I believe that this might be one of the more severe idols of Seattle and of the Northwest. It is the experience that we're in it for. Over the, the past several years, as social media has really gained and grown in what it is, and it really has been just a few years when you think about it. The cataloging of those different Instagram accounts, Facebook feeds, and all of that is the experiences that we have had. Whether we have been to this place in this mountaintop or that mountaintop, whether we have been uh, with these friends or that friends, we want the world to know and we want everybody to know of what our experiences are. And whenever we are in doubt of our relationships or in doubt of who we are, in doubt of what we have accomplished, we can look back at those experiences and know that we have lived and that we are real. Or maybe we come off more like Peter on the mountain. Lord, it is good that we are here and we should stay here. This is what I want people to know about me. The experience that I have had in this place and that this is the way it should be and this is the way it should stay. It is good that we are here and it is good for us to stay that way. Both of these are summed up in the way that is spoken in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, as he is describing looking around at all that he has done with his hands. His hands have toiled, they have built. They've built the universe. They've built all of his kingdom. He has owned people, and even all of the treasure that he has accumulated, he is able to list them off place by place by place, thing by thing by thing. And all the experiences that he has gathered together in that place, all of it is vanity. And nothing more than vanity. It describes nothing of his future and very little of his presence. Experientialism. Putting together all of those things. Looking at the experiences and the authenticity of them to let us know that we are who we think we are. And it has become a plague in our lives. And you, you might be one who thinks that I, I am too old for Facebook. <laughs> I have no Instagram account on my phone, and I'm rather proud of it. And the experiences I have had are, are ones that are timid, and they are ones that are within reason. But I guess... You've heard us preach enough to know that I'm still going to come at you with something. Because experientialism doesn't just stay out there, but it comes into the church as well. 
We've seen it the way it can come into theology to where people are striving and trying to find the experience of feeling closer to God. Feeling His presence in their life. The experience of having the goosebumps in their worship. Being able to say and walking away, yes, I have really been lifted up. Worship changed my heart. I did not get dragged out screaming. But I stayed and wanted to stay there. Because it was transformative. And that becomes the measure by which we know our worship. You may be thinking that I am only speaking of those who light up the fire of the band. But the same thing happens when we hear the organ. We see the processionals coming in. We wear our robes eloquently and we do our experience is why we have come to church. The experience is the way we judge our church and our worship. It is even the test we hold against our God. And it's the way we come to see whether He is true and authentic. The dangers of experientialism aren't just there in our theology, aren't just there in the way that we practice our worship. But we have also come to see that as it has grown in our culture, it is letting people down left and right. The experiences of our Instagram accounts and our Facebook, the experiences of the stories that we tell each other about our life, they don't seem to keep coming and proving to us that we are real, that we are love, that we are people. And so others start turning in their experiences towards wicked and hard things. We have now teenagers, we have now adults in our midst that will turn to the experience of hurting themselves just so that they know they can feel. Just so that they know that they are real. It is taking the experiences that we have used to measure everything else, finding that they cannot actually do that, and turning towards experiences that hurt, that tear at the heart, and actually tear at the body. When we buy into this as a culture, when we buy into this as a church, we open the door towards that kind of hurting and that kind of harming. All of that is vanity. All of those measures in our worship is vanity. All of those measures on our life is vanity. All of those ways of judging is vanity. Paul, as he writes, tells us to look at the things of life and say these words, let all things be done for the building up. When we look at our experiences, 
when we set ourselves in the judgment seat of authenticity, when we gather together our portfolios, we do so for the sake of building up ourselves. We have elevated the person. We've elevated our own life and our own pride. We have done it for the building up of only those of which we are. But Paul says here that we in the church, we that have been called into Christ, are to let all things be for the building up. The building up of the kingdom and the building up of one another. Not letting our experiences tear others down, but turning our lives in such a way that God uses them to build His church, to build His kingdom, and to build our neighbor. Which means this, experiences are not bad. Authenticity is not a bad thing. But when experiences become our God, it turns to evil. When authenticity becomes our judge and our savior, it leads to death. So how then do we turn ourselves? away from this idol that has become so prevalent in our city and in our society. We hear the words of Christ, who didn't stay up on the mountain but came down with His disciples, who walked with them in their lives. He pointed out to them that their lives were not about the journey and it wasn't about the destination, it was about Him. Because there in Jesus, whether we're still on our journey or we're at our destination, we are home. We have found our place. We have found who it is that tells us of our realness. Who it is that brings definition to our lives. Who no matter what we are experiencing whether it is the feelings of Him being far distant or right beside us, He has never left us, but stays, dwells, lives with us. Where we are at, let all things be for the building up, including your life, including who you are, if you are gathering up your experiences, let them confess to others, not of the greatness that you have accomplished, not of the work of your hands and the toil, but of the gifts that God has given you in your life, so that now you can share those gifts with others. If you are one who has ever felt the authenticity of true love coming through the Gospel, then let that be the voice that leaves your mouth. When you speak of your life and you see it as a journey and you see it as a destination, speak of it as a home where God lives, where He has come, where He has redeemed, where He continues to pour out His love. For Paul ends his description of all these things and he says, For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. The God of experientialism is a God of confusion. 
insisting that you continue on your wandering and your lostness. The God of experientialism is a God of confusion, insisting that once you can actually find your nirvana here, you stay right where you're at. But our God is a God of peace. Ours is one who provides and lives. And no matter what journey we're on, no matter where we have found ourselves, He will be there with you as well. It is for that that we sing. It's for that that sometimes we parade up and down this aisle. It's for that that we actually come to the altar. It's where whether we are feeling distant from God or close to Him, His words remain true, that His body and blood are being given for you. It is for that that we come to the font. That no matter how far away we are feeling from Him, no matter how many experiences we have gathered in our lives, this one is the one that has made a home for us. So let our lives be one that is for building up. For the God that has come and saved you is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.